0: Welcome back to the Take 92 podcast. My name is Sammy Warm Hands. I am your host, and we're going to continue our conversation with my good friend Odar, who's a hip-hop producer from Portland, Oregon, formerly of Eugene. And uh, today we're talking about the state of pop music, and then we're going to get into some really real starving artist kind of shit. So um, thank you for joining us again, and let's continue right where we left off with Odar.
1: I don't know, it's it's hard for me to get excited about, you know, a lot of new music and it's not that I don't think it's good. I'm just looking at it differently. You know, like I it's hard for me to look at it as a fan because now I'm looking at it as someone who makes music and produces music and tries to produce music for other people. Yeah. So I'm always Looking at it under a microscope, and then if that one doesn't work, it's a different microscope. <laughs> Going, oh well, let me look at it under my pop one no, or f- under my, the my electronic one. Well, no, it's I'm trying to look for the value in it. Oh, I don't want to look for the flaws. I, I want to look for why people think it's good. Well, um, I-, I, I, think I actually that's really admired that.
0: I admired uh, that quality in you when um, you were uh, we'd gone through like real MCs and a couple ill tracks, and you were basically trying to understand how a web beat comes to exist i mean and you would chop shit up and basically like you know put yourself in his process and like how does he come up with this and then i remember like a year or two later um when like trap drums started becoming super popular you were like okay i'm gonna take drake's forever beat and eminem's not afraid and like you and you went through and and like you didn't even really like those songs and you went and and deconstructed them and built your own songs in that palette with you know try to analyze what qualities that they all share what do they have in common what's effective what's not what makes and, it a hit you know, why, why you, are
1: people why is this a hit it's not just that it's catchy why is it catchy that means it's written with this type of hook okay so they're, it's pretty minor driven you know but they're also using minor driven you know horn samples and, you know, like maybe orchestra samples, and you're kind of riding on those. The chord progression is not sophisticated. Yeah. It's a lot about just how everything works together. So I like analyzing music in that way, and I feel like once you do strip some of that stuff away, you can look at the value of it. Um, I think Drake's an interesting, popular figure because of that reason. I'm not a huge fan of a lot of what Drake does. I do respect him in certain aspects, though uh, there, there's just personally not a lot there for me but it's also because i'm not really paying a a lot of attention to what he does when yeah most of these uh,
0: artists are just names to me like i i i I know who they are i i probably know what they look like but i don't even really i couldn't tell you any of their songs
1: yeah like i i try and at least take peeks into what's popular with them and why that's the thing is i i do my own research as to why um it's okay i think for me to once in a while look at journalists who write about them and then get their perspective but also i'm reading what the journalist is saying and really thinking is there value in what you're saying or is this just some shitty opinion yeah. anybody today can you know be some pseudo journalist and there's not a lot of value placed on writing and the quality of it so a lot of the time you know yeah. a lot of sources are just like you just sound like some fanboy go fuck yourself i want someone who's going to say something about drake's song or someone who's going to critique him about something Um, I think complex magazine as like an online, uh, you know, outlet, especially for hip hop, uh, and for mainstream hip hop is actually pretty great because they're, they're willing to take shots at just about anyone. And they're willing to, to kind of weigh things out sometimes. Like for example, there's been a big, I think silly, uh, Ba- not battle, what, what would you call it? Like a feud. A beef? Yeah, a beef. There you go. Beef between Drake and Meek Mills. And I, I don't even know who that other guy is. Meek Mills, that's the thing. Meek Mills, I, I also, I'm just like, uh, sorry, man, I'm late to the party. Don't know who Meek <laughs> Mills is. It's not that I don't care. It's like, I'll figure care. that out. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it, it started with a, a stupid Twitter beef and it was um, Meek Mills uh, got compared to Drake and it was it was, to what I understand, a... A uh, a compliment, but he said, "Don't compare me to Drake. I write my own raps." And so that started a big thing, mm. where then Drake went, "Whoa, hold on," and had to figure out how am I going to answer this. And then there's this big investigative thing. Everybody starts looking up, you know, going through his albums, going, "Who's on all the writing credits?" Oh, there's this guy. God damn it! What is it? It's Quinn something. Anyway, this guy got called out as being his ghostwriter. Oh, and then this guy comes out, "I'm not his ghostwriter." I have writing credits. I mean, all that means is I contributed ideas, you know, yada yada yada. So in that time, in like twenty four hours of this all happening, Drake releases a diss song. Yeah, I, I heard that he had, but I didn't listen. Charged to Charged up. So I listened to it, and that's the thing. I looked for value in that. Um, it's a diss song because it's that. I mean, that's that's all I can say. Um, I mean, is it effective? Is it funny? Is it? No, I mean, it personally is it no. Sad. <laughs> no, it shouldn't be the thing, sad. <laughs> like, the the track itself without Drake on it. I go, I dig this beat. It's Moody and Spacey, and I'm into that as a theme coming into like popular genres. Cool, I'm into it. I want to see what people are doing with Spacey Weird Beats because I'm really liking that as a, as a constant that I'm starting to see pop up a lot. Yeah. Cool. So, and this snare sound that they're using, it sounds like a... God, what is that fucking instrument? Anyway, um, it's you know not your typical snare sound. I like that. Okay, cool. Um, kind of reminds me of the sound on... Um, uh, it's what is it? Good morning. First track on graduation. Kanye West. Oh yeah. Boom boom. It's that same type of like snare sound. I just forget what that fucking sound is. Anyway, so I listened to that part of, it, of the Drake track. Went okay. Then I start listening to Drake. Okay. There's things I like and don't like about Drake's uh, flow. He is an admittedly big fan of Lil Wayne. He's part and part of the Cash Money. Thing enterprise. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So okay, I get that. And there's parts of it that I think he does better than Lil Wayne by actually rapping. So I don't think Lil Wayne actually raps. I think he just kind of lets words spill out of his mouth <laughs> in like a rhyme scheme it, uh, it and that's just me I'm sorry like I, I'm just not a Lil Wayne fan personally yeah I just don't care for the style yeah, right exactly Um. yeah I mean I guess that's I, me mean. I mean, I'll, not that I'll I say think-
0: he has some, some really cl- uh, clever punchlines and stuff right I mean great great wordplay but you yeah, know just like way too I much talking about your dick and way too much just like comic Right, like personality. Fil- just yeah, like-,
1: like for me, it's just you know, uh, I don't know. I just thought- perhaps for me, it's just that I don't. It's it's just not as relatable to me, yeah. or it just doesn't do much for me. Because like to put him down is one of those things. I'm not a rapper. I don't rap. So uh, I, I guess to put it in a nice way, I'm just not super into Lil Wayne's you know, uh, rap career performance. Whatever. That's just is what it is. Sure. Um, but so I think the way Drake does it on the other hand, is a little bit more uh, clean. Uh, It has a little bit more of this kind of, I don't want to say off time because it's not off time, but he definitely swing to it. Yes. He plays with the beat in a fun way that I don't hear mainstream rappers do. Hmm. So I think that's cool in terms of what he's saying doesn't move mountains for me <laughs> it doesn't that's just the thing it's just like i'm listening yeah. to what he's saying and he's basically just it's a diss song he's he's burning meek mill saying it, and in, you know little one-liners things like that um as a diss song i don't know it i felt it was not super effective like personally i was just like that's it and so what you got this yeah. is a loop and then it's five minutes long what did you really say in five minutes yeah you should have crammed three minutes of just go fuck yourself yeah and Meek Mills would have looked like an asshole, you know. But again, maybe that's just me. I don't do rap well. No, diss re- songs no, really though. That are you, five you, minutes. You know, long. when somebody like takes a shot on record, it
0: needs to be uh, a direct hit.
1: Yeah. You know? Well, and I, I do appreciate too. Like he was then interviewed on, you know, Sway. Um, yeah. You know, Sway in the morning, and you know, Drake. You know, uh, said you know I'm a I'm a very like, I am a nice m- guy because they said, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, really know how to take a diss song from you because, you know, you seem like a really nice guy. He says, you know what? I am a nice guy. I was raised to be cordial and polite and be a nice guy. When it comes to rap, I- I'm not going to mess around. And that was it. And I appreciated that because he wasn't trying to be an, a- it- you could tell he wasn't trying to be overly arrogant as much as he was just trying to make his point. If you're going to talk shit about me, I'm going to say something back to you. Yeah. And not just that, I'm going to do it on the platform by which I'm trying to be famous. And Meek Mills has still yet to have come out with a diss song. And in that time, this is now, I would say, 72 hours later since this whole thing has happened. Uh, there's two diss songs by drank and, and Meek Mills has zero. Yeah. So I think that's funny. And so, But for me, that's, that's me getting to go in and examine. You know, like, hmm, well, let's, let's figure out what all this is about. I don't give a shit about rap beef. I don't give a fuck. Like, I really don't. But again, like I'm not in rap. I don't write raps. I don't do disc songs. Um, you know, maybe it's just a different thing. But it's, it's, it's still an opportunity for me to jump in for a second kind kinda see what's going on and musically on the music side, <laughs> what's getting done, you know, and that's where I, I feel I, I have to really nitpick for value, you know, in, in a place, in, especially in a time like in 2015, I feel like everything already has its price tag on it and everything's valueless. You know, So I really have to search hard for that gold and that realness. What do you think about a lot of um, names that have popped up in the last
0: couple of years that are getting a lot of praise um, from hip-hop heads, even though they're like mainstream uh, rappers like Kendrick or J. Cole or um, artists like that that are becoming a little more openly autobiographical a little more vulnerable um you know r- revealing more of themselves because i don't really uh like I, I do have the j cole album i listened to it a couple times um and uh you know it's not my favorite but i really appreciate that people on that level mm-hmm. are starting to i mean you listen to some of the stuff they talk about and it was like okay well you could liken this to a MERS song or something like mm-hmm. that, or a Brother Ali song. The you know the stuff that he's talking about um, in his life, and mm-hmm. and to me that's another little glimmer of hope in the direction that rap could be going. Because you hear about all these dumb little feuds, and you hear you know the big singles that are you know such and such, and the latest pop singer on the hook, and it's like oh it's all been done to death. But then you hear that little bit of realness, and you're going these guys are selling shitloads of records? Like, these guys are headlining festivals? Holy shit. You know, that's that's
1: pretty cool. Well, like a lot of great things in music history, time and place. Like, sure. it, it that to me, it, it's time and place. Like uh, Personally, I need to listen to more Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole, especially the newer st- stuff that they've done. What I can speak to is that they're two people that stick out to me for very legitimate reasons, and that's that they rose to a level where that they can then truly pursue an artistic endeavor. And I mean that in the way that J. Cole's not doing rap like everybody else is. He has more of a melody that not anybody else has. He has a background, or more or less his music behind him is, you know, to not get you know, too long-winded about it, it's unique. And it's unique to him. So therefore, I feel like it helps kind of reinforce him. Kendrick Lamar, in a very similar way, Uh, Some of the tracks that were getting produced for him reminded me of old school hip hop songs because of where they were sampling from, how they got thrown together. But then how that dude chose to rap on it, where he chose to take it. Um, God, what was it? I remember one performance that really made me start to think about and then research Kendrick Lamar Mm -hmm. was Stephen Colbert. I believe it was oh, yeah. the okay. last episode of Stephen Colbert's show, Kendrick Lamar was was the headliner. And I had to figure out why. I was like, why are you having this motherfucker on there? Yeah. That sounds ridiculous. But then again, I thought to myself, well, Stephen Colbert's only had musical guests on when he really he thinks that there's something about them. Yeah. He did that with the flaming lips did that with uh, a few of the members of Arcade... Or no, uh, Arcade Fire, but he also brought on uh, when they did the Reflector thing. He even had Nas on when Nas right. had that Fox News song. Right. The Sly Fox. Right. And uh, so to me, because of Stephen Colbert, I went, well, mm, maybe there's something gonna happen here. Like, maybe there's something I don't know about. And... <laughs> I-, I forget the name of the song, but the track that Kendrick Lamar does, he comes out with a full fucking band. The sample is from uh, Isley Brothers, who's that lady... Mm-hmm. and Kendrick just fucking kills it from beginning to end. Is that the one where he had, like, the black contacts in his eyes and stuff? Yeah, that... Dances his fucking ass off. Yeah. Gives such a true performance. You could tell... I mean, like, that's what I mean, is you saw emotional. fire... Yeah. ...in that dude, and he just gave it. He gave it to the people and just fucking killed it. And then all of a sudden, when all these people were talking about Kendrick Lamar, I went, well, no fucking wonder. Yeah. Like, people aren't doing that. That, w- that was the
0: most I've ever liked him, honestly, because I, mm-hmm. I, I, I... Um, when I talk about these guys and I say I appreciate that that's where it's headed, I don't, I'm not a fan of of his music. Mm-hmm. Um, when Good Good Kid, Mad City, I think was the name of the album, came out a few years back, Sarks was like, "Dude, we got to buy this. Like, it's, it, he's so good. I love his mixtape, whatever." We, and we got the album when, when it dropped and we listened to it in the van. I was like, "There were some tracks. This in is there- what everyone's raving about. Like, are you fucking serious?" Yeah, there were some tracks in there I wasn't wild about. And I and I I. I understand um how he he rides a line between you know the 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 mainstream hubris and materialism to an extent mm-hmm. that is expected of someone with those affiliations mm-hmm. and uh, on the other side of that line is uh you know having the balls to take that platform and give you a couple of surprises along the way. And I think the longer he's done it, the more stuff that I uh read here and there. It seems like he's going in a more um artistic direction and and guys like Kanye have allowed that to happen on a mainstream level, which is i I think it's a great thing um and again, I'm not a super big fan, but I saw that performance and went, that was fucking greatness right <laughs> you know?
1: i'm 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 interested, and that's that's I think the big thing for me is i'm I'm interested to see what's going to happen next because it seems like, um, there's people, especially in, in higher places. And I think hip hop's the place that's, that it's happening. People are willing to talk about something real or something that's real to them. Uh, well, cause it's fucking lyrics. That's the thing, you know? Right.
0: And I, I've talked about this with other people who, who kind of, when I tell them I'm a rapper and they're like, really? And you know, um, I I said, look, I've I've played a lot of different things, and I've realized that that I'm not a virtuoso guitarist, I'm not a pitch perfect singer, but you know what? I have something to say, mm-hmm. and why am I not using this platform to do that? You know, it's like when people flip that switch in their head and they're like, "Fuck, I can really say something with this." Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you fucking kidding. That's that's what all of this came from. Mm-hmm. you know just like all the way from the beginning mm-hmm. the message to now like a lot of it was lost in translation on a mainstream level but it's coming back around and that's
1: that's exciting to me sure you know? well i i feel like that's it's the natu- uh, natural well i would say evolution but revolution you know it's yeah we can only go so long talking about absolutely nothing before someone has to say something yeah and uh You mentioned Kanye West. Kanye West is one of my favorite people to talk about. (laughs) He really is because one, he did it to himself. Yeah. Uh, on purpose. I mean, he wants to be a cultural icon. He wants to be a figure. Uh, I do think it's interesting though, because sometimes I really feel like in the crazy things he says, I go, I think I know exactly what you mean. I know what he's
0: saying, and he presents it in the worst possible way sometimes. Sometimes, and
1: that's the thing, is I, I just feel like it's unapologetically Kanye. And, yeah. and when you say that, because there's douchiness attached to his name now, like yeah. if I say those things, people are like, yeah. oh man, fuck you, fuck yeah. Kanye. And it's like, okay, well look, then you're not looking at it like just, just, just objectively, just well, trying to talk are never going to
0: hear what he says anymore. And that's because terrible. Because of the attitude that he's attached to right. you know, his persona.
1: See, and thats I think
0: that's sad because... Well, he's I, done himself a
1: disservice, really. It, yes. He has. Yes. He has. It, it, it's, it's just that it's... It, that's what I mean. It's just so him. Yeah. He can't be anything other than him. And it's some of the stuff, like in the Zane Lowe interview series, it was like a four-part thing. I really enjoy Zane Lowe as, as an interviewer because he really has a good way of keeping someone talking and uh keeping them engaged and uh he you could tell zane lowe is definitely a fan of music and it talking with kanye though and letting kanye spin out onto these tangents was entertaining insulting sad and exciting, <laughs> like, uh, all at the same time. I was like, it's Man, fascinating. I, I really sure. like listening to you talk because I like that that you know, like he was one of these people who said, like, I want to design culture. I don't want to yeah. just do, you know, uh, beats and music. And people were just ridiculing him for that. But look at him years later you're wearing his clothes that everyone thinks are ridiculous and everybody talks shit about. You're wearing his shoes that you talked shit about and thought were ridiculous and you're paying 350 fucking dollars for those Adidas. So go fuck yourself. He still won.
0: Well, here's what's interesting about Kanye to me is that it, like you said, um, you, you feel one way about him, but you see his influence. Okay. Yep. So the attitude that he has is what made him. Sure. Because on those early albums, um, when he's talking about some, like, starving artist shit, and he has so much passion and such belief in himself that, fuck you, I will make it. You know, like, imagine yourself doing five beats a day for three summers. I deserve to do these numbers. Like, all that shit. You're, you're like, fuck yeah, you do. Yeah, go for it, man. You fucking got this, you know. And you watch that progression, and he finally gets there, and it's fucking great, and everybody celebrated with him on that path. But then, once he was there for a minute, and he had made it. Then, he didn't have that underdog quality attached to that arrogance, because it was always arrogance. Oh man! It was always arrogance, but it had a, a charm to it, an appeal, because he was at the disadvantage seemingly. Yeah. You know, and and once he had made it, then he's calling all this, you know, all these shots from the top from way up on high and it has
1: totally different implications you know absolutely and and i feel like part of that can just be with anyone who gets to stardom you know what i mean like who gets there yeah um and i mean the people he had to look at who were once there were like biggie jay-z yeah he i mean he was jay's little brother basically took him under his
0: wing Followed
1: all the steps still still got going. Got Rockefeller, by him. yeah, still got you know? burned by him, and wrote a good song about it at the end of graduation. Yep, and I, and I remember, Dan, you know, like my big brother was Big's brother, yep. and I was like, and I remember listening to the song. I'm like, this is the best backhanded diss track I've ever heard because it's great beat, great song. And a nice roundabout way of talking about everyone we know. You're talking about, yeah. And uh, but so because that's what I think. well when he got there, I feel like it wasn't about underdog shit. I feel like he took off the underdog cape and said, "Give me my fucking throne and give me you know give me my crown." That's I'm what I'm a saying. King. He
0: did, and we and we were all like, "Fuck yeah!" Like this is awesome. And th- those like three albums or whatever happened, and then once like beautiful dark twisted fancy or whatever um mm-hmm. uh, like it was around that time where he's dropping some great fucking songs and he's out there just doing just running his fucking mouth and 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 no longer cuz he's been on the throne now right and no longer does it have that uh, same you know right like but you, that's... you the- don't see yourself in that guy anymore that's what it is i think right you know right. you you saw He's trying to better himself, and he's fucking working hard, and he deserves to get better. And, like, maybe you think you deserve a promotion at work, or maybe you think you're going to be the next rap star, or whatever it is, but that was relatable. And then at it just, in a, a moment, they went from relatable to, wow, this
1: guy's really into himself. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing, though, is I think at that same token, though, that dude is, he's still doing what he set out to do, even though he had so many people telling him, Exactly. This isn't going to fucking work. Like, it still does. In the Zane Lowe interview where he's talking about, you know, you know, we went to Vindy with these, you know, uh, leather running, you know, pants. And they yeah. told me that shit will never happen. And then that. Vindy comes out with them next summer. What the fuck is that? And it's funny because, like, Zane Lowe asked him about music and it deviates to, you know, fashion. But you obviously see that's where his head is at. And yeah. I think that's kind of why Zane just, like, let him go and talk about it. But... I think that's kind of just how his brain works. And that's what I admire is that it's never enough in terms of his ambition. You know what I mean? Is his ambition only grows bigger. You know, it's like, well, I have influence and I think I can do a lot with that. That is powerful. I think that Kanye understands that he does. I have influence now. So now with influence, I can do a lot and I can say things and do things and I, I think that on one hand is admirable. And on the other hand, de- depending on how you use it, it's admirable. <laughs> and he's just one of those people. It's like for every time I'm like, just stop talking. Just don't say things and just make music. Your music <laughs> is so fucking good. He's just going to do that anyway. And he's just, again, he's unapologetically Kanye. But every time I hear songs that he's attached to where he produces, especially recently, um, even back when Watch the Throne came out, there were a couple tracks where I was like... I didn't really care for that that material. There was a lot of it on there that I was actually really into. Uh, even, like, as a single, No Church in the Wild. That's cut. There was no scenario drum. There was none of that shit. Yeah. That shit is just a groove, and I know that whether or not Kanye fully produced it, he had a say in it. And the thing that I liked is that I've heard it, why I think he had a say in it. You can listen to other songs and go, you got another thing like that going on here where you're not just beat making like, here's my kicks. There's my snares. There's my hats. We'll yeah. arrange them this way. We'll make them tasteful this way. We'll make them different this way, whatever. And you bring someone like Frank Ocean to sing your hook. Uh, that as a single, I, I still listen to and go, God damn, that's a fucking cut. Kanye was a part of it. Frank Ocean's a part of it. Jay-Z's a part of it. Then they attach that cool neo-radical imagery to it for the video. And I went, Okay, like you don't have to like anybody that's involved here, but the fact that they go to these lengths to try and say something—that's pretty fucking crazy. I think that's really, uh, I think that's pretty amazing.
0: I think it's funny that that you say I, that because I didn't um, really hear that album. Like, I had I had gotten Blueprint three and was like yeah. really kind of felt like there was too much filler on that and then yeah it had um, some cuts there was just yeah and then and then i i had kind of gotten a little burned out on kanye and and when that came out i don't remember what i first heard um it might have been that paris single whatever that was (laughs) and 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 it's got a catchy track it's got a catchy creator beat but but all those fucking um (laughs) like all of their rhymes were just the most superficial like Oh yeah. I'm so fucking good shit, but it wasn't that fucking good. And that and it, it was yeah. just like yeah. It didn't do much for me in that you way. You know, I'm not I'm not really interested in this project. It doesn't mean I didn't buy Yeezus when it came out or whatever. Like I'm still totally. interested, but like that project turned me off and so I would have never gotten any of that that you're saying oh, man. from it because I was just kind of turned off in that moment like you know this is not the time where I'm going to align with these oh, artists, like yeah, they it's not for me.
1: Watch the Throne, I actually thought was a pretty good album lyrically. Nope, not my favorite.
0: Yeah, um, well, and
1: that, and that's the, really to me that's totally that's that's what I mean. Is once I hear those things, I don't stop. I really just try and keep like, okay, well, what else we got here? Do we have dynamite like production? Of course we do. So what else do we really have here though? Like what what how do these songs really sound? And I thought that was uh interesting. Like for example. You know what I think is funny, and I keep coming back to, and I don't know why. And everyone didn't like this album, including the artist who made it, Magna Carta, Jay Z. You
0: you know, that was another one
1: where I he just goes, I literally streamed it and went, what? Oh, I love it. (laughs) I listen to it now and go, how didn't people like this? It I thought it was musically pretty cool, but oh, musically amazing.
0: Like. I don't know. That was like three albums in a row where I was like you just don't have anything left to say.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean is for me Jay-Z has already said it all that he's well, dude, and uh, okay, let's let's he, talk he for a second. He doesn't have to rewrite the wheel. He's he's Jay-Z. But you know what? The
0: um he so Hope- he had, he had retired. Mhm. He and he had his like half ass comeback album, Kingdom Come. That wasn't that wasn't that good? You know, it had a pretty good single on it, but like it wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. And then um like he, he just wa- he wasn't as big as he was, mm-hmm. and then what did he do? He did American Gangster, and that it was album. it was so so true good. to form and yet such it's a so departure good. at the same time. Oh, so and I good. felt like that was what reinvigorated his whole career. That was his like Johnny Cash had been making, you know, uh, crappy albums in the eighties that nobody was buying, and then you know Rick said, let's strip away all that other shit why do people listen to you you're a fucking storyteller let's st- let's tell stories and they just put a guitar and a microphone in front of him and they fucking totally gave him a whole new generation of fans for the next 15 years they were putting out these great records yeah even after he was dead and and, and with with jay i feel like american gangster was that turning point where oh, it was man. like it was so oh good. shit i got it back and then it launched him to a whole nother level of superstardom
1: well not just that like i feel like people who were involved in it like puffy was on a lot of it oh and he, he was great and, like he was and he was in the nitty-gritty like he was a producer on almost every track yeah and so to me that's going well you got a dude who's already been in the business for fucking ever yeah since before you were a big star jay-z and so and, and with his connection uh to
0: jay-z uh and and his connection to biggie mm-hmm. i think that and just that i music. think that jay was probably looking that in um in a, in a different way than than just working with another big name collaborator
1: absolutely i think he needed someone who had hip-hop that's what i mean is some of those samples i went of course puffy had something to say about that like some of these one shots Fuck yeah, you had the long red sample in there. Of course you did. That shit is dynamite. It sounds good on like almost any beat you put it on. Cause it just does. It's that yeah sample that everyone's heard to death, but it always sounds good. Yeah. And it's there. Um but that's a I also thought that was a really that's a genius album in my opinion, because I don't think it has a bad song. Uh, yeah, um, I completely I also think, Although I don't I don't I don't like Little Wayne's verse, but Right. But that was the but, first time I actually but that heard that. Hello, Brooklyn. Shit was. Oh my I was like, Jesus! Oh my God!
0: You are literally putting Jay Z over fucking Paul's Boutique right now. I'm shitting my pants.
1: It was amazing, man. And so, uh, but for me, it was that the fact that you. That's could what I'ma call a Brooklyn Carter. Oh man, just, mm. like the fact that you could take those someone like Jay Z, and like you said, he's a storyteller. This dude could compare himself to Frank Lucas the entire time. Exactly. And so what a great story. That's what I mean. It's just like that whoever came up with that concept, what a great story. And what an excellent execution of an album. Then you bring people in, not just Puffy, you bring Pharrell in, Yeah. To do a couple of beats. Two of my favorite ones on there and they're two of the most rock boys, right? Uh he does rock boys and he also does um, is it I'm getting it? You know, boom da 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 da. Nah, I'm getting it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a Pharrell. Dude, that's a get, Pharrell get, beat. Get, and I knew it because I went, me. and then he's the one singing the hook too. You know, uh, oh, stay okay. the course, and, know, and you'll understand. That's amazing. Um, and so like that album, it's, it's fantastic. Fast forward to, to Holy Grail. When I listen to Holy Grail, it has more than one, I think, successful song on it. Though it was like Holy Grail was the main one. Uh, with Justin Timberlake, that song by itself, because you had Timbaland and his dudes making the beat, you had Jay Z on it, you had Justin Timberlake singing the hook. I mean, it, it, I don't know how else you could make a really <laughs> successful you could platinum, take those ingredients, <laughs> yeah, and make a shitty like pop song. Yeah. Like, you couldn't, but like in terms of like a pop <laughs> single. That could be on a hip hop chart, an R and B chart, or on the mainstream top Mm forty. That's a great fucking cut.
0: Yeah, it's a great cut. Um, It has substance. Side side note, real quick: Justin Timberlake just on a whim, I saw an SNL performance I liked. I bought one of those albums. He had like a part one and a part two. Oh yeah, the Twenty Twenty
1: Experience. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I bought one of those. And it it wasn't quite my flavor, but I. Oh, I love it. But um, one thing I thought was really interesting is he had Jay and like a couple other like huge fucking names on it and they're in the fine print like i bought it just like saw like uh yeah i know that song i'll buy this you know and and i, I checked it out used and uh i'm like surprised when the guests come on because he he's so fucking big he didn't need the, the names to sell it he no, just man. put them on there because you know you're gonna flip when you hear it
1: well you know what's neat about the 2020 <laughs> experience and holy grails they were being done in a similar studio in new york down the hallway from each other at the same time Justin got on the track Holy Grail uh, by accident Mm. and it was by walking in going hey man what's going on in here (laughs) oh man this sounds great like that it was like popping into your friend's studio going well what's going on in this side of the studio cool right on and like that's how we talked about it in an interview and and then it was a hey you think you could write a quick hook and you know put it on this song sure why not. It's like go fuck yourselves, all of you. Y'all just hang out, and it's like because they didn't all cut the entire thing, like there. But I think that's fascinating that it at that level you could just do that kind of spontaneous um, creativity, you know. And it's like and keeps it fresh, keeps it real, and then you hear his performance uh, on on the track, Holy Grail, fucking awesome, man, fucking awesome. Uh, then like Jay himself. Of course, again, like he doesn't have to reinvent the wheel. He doesn't have to reinvent himself. He's just Jay Z. So I don't personally expect a lot out of him lyrically, meaning I don't expect him to say anything new. I just expect him to kind of do his thing, really. I don't expect him to rap fast. I don't expect him to, you know. Again, like move mountains, extract he, him to kind of do his he's thing. He's another
0: one. He's he's that Sinatra type we talked about. That is at this point he is a persona dude. He, he has taken that you know he has proven what he needs to prove with his skill. He doesn't feel like he has to do that anymore, and right. he is bringing that character to life again.
1: But that song too brings that character to life. He's talking about being Jay Z, the mogul, the dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like can't take his daughter for a walk, you know, yeah. can't do any of that shit. you know, he always has paparazzi and then they do that. I think it's really clever and I know a lot of people hated it, but they throw it in there. Uh, he throws this line about Kurt Cobain and then he, and then they jump into the, and we're all just entertainers. Yeah. And stupid and contagious. I was like, I dig that. Thank you for doing that. I know a lot of other people probably hate that, but the fact that he worked it in lyrically and I thought it flowed, flows with the song the way it has a quick deviation from the main part of the song and works as a pre-chorus into the chorus where then you know uh justin comes back in awesome i thought
0: well and especially when you're talking about that level of, of of celebrity and stuff and that song like i don't i don't know really his intent behind using it but um i know that that song to people who know nirvana was kind of like the bane of their existence like fuck we're not a goddamn jukebox man you know like right. we're not gonna give you the same thing it's like back to billy corgan you know right. it's like i'm not gonna play bullet with butterfly wings and today every fucking mm. night i'm yeah. not gonna do it and I'm that's going give
1: you something else and that's what i liked is just that for that particular song it's like the architecture of that song when you listen to it from beginning to end it's not a super uh stereotypical pop single it's not just this easy that you could probably see it on a grid within your DAW program and just cut and paste your choruses and things like that it is so dynamic you can tell Timbaland had his fingers on it because you can hear all these great tasty little things he does that uh the main piano lick in in the verses it makes me fucking crazy every time I hear it. He's like, God damn it! That's such a simple thing and I love it! I love it! I hate you, but I love it! (laughs) You know, like, and the drums are obviously great. Uh, Like, and that's, again, like with the Timberland beat, come on. Like, come on. They're gonna be great. It's gonna be great. And if he can't get a sound, he'll record it and do something crazy with it because he's really, really good at stuff like that. (laughs) He is, and that's what I mean. It's like, so because when I listen to it, I just go, fuck, man, like you designed such a good song. And then, um. Like you can listen to the progression of the whole album. The next track, uh, God, I wish I could remember the name of the track. I really liked it because it's one lick, but it's this dirty ass bass. That's it. Just dirty ass bass guitar and some drums yeah. and some cool like sounds going on in the background. And This cool like keyboard and it reminded me of old Jay Z with modern cool grit. Fuck, fucking awesome! Thank you for doing that. Like that's you're you're allowing your album to take some shape and form and actually do something a little different um, Go and then you fast forward to tracks like BBC it's really fucking good um, there's one in there called is it Oceans and it has Frank Ocean on it Uh, neat song very abstract melody use uh, like uh, I, I wouldn't expect Jay Z to have a song like that type thing because I heard it and went whoa like where did this come from This is weird and really exciting. And the fact that Frank Ocean's on it, too, and he has this neat, very soulful, uh, you know, voice. I I just think it's just fascinating to me. Like, I'm glad that even at that level that you can still accomplish those things. But at the same time, nobody really talks about that. Nobody nobody really gave a shit. And they were just like, on to the next thing. You know, it's like... Well, okay, that's almost verbatim the song uh, that
0: I loved and hated from... Uh, oh yeah. on to the next from yeah from blueprint three where oh, yeah. uh, that beat came oh, on i was like oh then jesus then christ then the and and then, and then uh the first line of the song was hove on that new shit people like how come people want my old shit buy my old <laughs> album. album i was yeah. like dude okay i know i was so like in, in awesome <laughs> in the opening line because uh, i heard the beat and i was like oh, fucking another club track or whatever and the first thing he says is like you want that shit go put it on asshole and i was like fair enough sir Fair enough. Fair enough, man. I'm not going to say shit to that. I know,
1: and I like that. I think that's awesome. He knows. Awesome. He knows his audience, you know? And totally. he's going to do what the fuck he wants. And that totally. is all I can ask out of an artist. Yeah, just do your thing. <laughs> and that's the thing is, like, he, he's another dude that's just, like, uncompromisingly Jay-Z. He yeah. Just, he is who he is. Nobody truly knows him because he's, he's you know, I, I don't know if you, at this point you can separate him from the artifice. It's, he is a celebrity. He can't be a regular person anymore yeah. or ever again.
0: Well, and honestly, that's Married the thing Beyonce, about... Beyonce,
1: you certainly can't.
0: We were talking about Kanye and his... Um, Kanye loves Beyonce, by the way. His before and after uh, fame, mm-hmm. you know. Um, to a certain extent, that's a dude who wanted so bad to prove his worth. And then he finally did. And it's almost like he can't win. Because with that mindset that carried him there... Where it took him, you have the same people that doubted him in the first place, that then accepted him, that are now going, oh, fuck him, never mind. And it's like he he made it that far and he still can't get that validation the way that he wants. Because you know it bothers him.
1: Yeah, but to an extent, I think he's at the certain level of celebrity where bad press is even good press because you're now, he can be looked at as like well, the sure, torture for, genius. Yeah, you know what I mean? I mean he's, he's the dude that just nobody else sees it like him, which in a way, I kind of agree, but not in the way that he thinks. Yeah. I think it's just people don't see stuff like he does. That's it. He looks at music differently than other people. Therefore, his music sounds a little different. His approach to it is different. His yeah. approach to producing is different. I think it's interesting that he as an individual and a producer is attracted to a lot of what goes on in Europe. Uh, in fashion trends and music, uh, especially electronic and electronic influences, how he let that come into his, uh, into his repertoire, into his, uh, into his albums. And uh, so I think it's neat when you see him like, uh, what was that? I was listening to some, uh, some station on Pandora and it was all very much electronic music and it would jump around to all sorts of styles of like EDM and sometimes even border onto dubstep and like stuff that cell dweller does and shit. And, There's this one song that came on and I went, Oh, I I know this song promises. Yeah. 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 And I I forgot the girl who did it. And I, and I went and I ran to the back. Uh, it was while I was working. So I ran to the back where I had it plugged in. I looked at it and I went, Oh yeah, I remember this chick. She looks like Annie Lennox. And then I looked over and I went, Oh fuck. I totally forgot. This is the song that Kanye did with this chick. You would never fucking know. Hmm. All that you know is that it's produced beautifully and it, It's, I don't know. I I just, I admired that because I think that's really interesting. And I think that's really neat. And it makes me excited for what he'll be a part of in the future. Now, where, what did you think of only one? Um, you know, I don't know that I have too much to say about it. I don't, I don't even feel like I I heard the whole song. So I guess I would have to listen to it to really like make a, a judgment of it. Honestly, I don't know, um, what it was. There was something that
0: it triggered that was, this conversation I had um, with Ange when, um, you know, her mom died a few years ago and, uh, you know, her sister, um, my sister-in-law, w- talks about, like, having a family and whatever and how she's always wanted to do that and she's always talked about it and how it's, like, kind of a, a bummer that, uh, you know, it'll be bittersweet when she does have you know, start her family because they won't get to know, uh, Kathy, you know? And mm-hmm. I, uh, when I heard that song, it wasn't long after we, um, had had that conversation and just the, the him talking about his mom living on through his son and, and just the way that it was presented in such a, uh, a, a stripped down and gentle way. Mm -hmm. I straight up broke down the first time I heard it and I played that song. I don't listen to music on my computer. Mm -hmm. I just don't. I'll watch a music video once and then I'll go back to what I was doing, whatever. I don't download anything or whatever, but I listened to that song over and over and over again. I thought it was just, uh, out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. something. It, It was like his song, uh, uh, what was it hey mama or whatever mm-hmm. uh, on on um late registration mm-hmm. i don't know I, I i couldn't get enough of it it really hit me i think that honestly one of the best like songs on that top 40 level mm-hmm. i'd put that up with anything that came out in the last 10 years in in terms of just having an emotional impact on me mm-hmm.
1: uh, i listened to a song that was like that uh, today actually um Radiohead's uh videotape on uh In Rainbows, I think it's probably Mm. one of the simplest, uh, beautiful songs I've heard. And it covers so much in such a little amount of time in terms of talking about interaction with someone that you care about and love, Uh, let down, letting that person down, uh, regret, looking back on it, you know, capturing everything in red, blue, green. And, you know, to anyone who doesn't understand, you know, like a reference like that, but he's talking about capturing on a videotape, yeah. you know, and, and that's what he has. He has, he has the, the memory through this thing, you know, and, uh, and the piano line, like that's the thing that, <laughs> uh, when, when like a certain instrument can just carry an entire song yeah. in videotape, the piano line that he's playing is so simple but at the same time, like if you stripped away the words, the piano line is tragic. Yeah, that and, that album just
0: has a a tone to it. A, a, oh man, a mood to it that is just
1: yeah. It's beautifully executed. I, I agree. Like, um, OK, Computer is still my favorite thing that they that they've done. I um, will agree with you there. But I, I, I think Rainbows is my number two for sure. Oh yeah, for sure, easy because it yeah. it. It has a similar thing where it's just its own vibe. It's its own thing. And I think it'll stand out, you know, um, even years to come. You know, almost, let's see, In Rainbows came out 2006 or 2007. 2008, I think. Oh, 2008? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's... Uh, I, have, I have my records organized chronologically, so I'm pretty sure. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those albums that uh, it, it just sticks out. That's it, just sticks out. And I think um, even years from now, it'll still stick out. Uh, not just material-wise, but Uh, sound-wise. There's few bands that I think that can do that, that keep kind of just transcending generations, and those things don't seem to stop them from creating good music or uh, new things. I think uh, that is truly the challenge, is lasting, you know, and continuing to stay fresh and continuing to try new things and uh, I think bands like the Foo Fighters, there's a reason why they're still around. Yeah. Maybe people don't like their stuff as much now. Well, they're not the same people that they were. Yeah. And even then, they're still I, s- some I think of the better were... performers. And they're, oh, yeah. they're so, such dedicated musicians and so dedicated to their fans and dedicated to music. That, I mean, I think that's hard to not like or I, respect. I think the weird thing about Foo Fighters is that they are so
0: successful and they're so ubiquitous that any fan of of rock music um would have at least one of their records in their collection and yet i never hear anybody talk about foo fighters being their favorite band yeah i really don't and it's kind of strange that they are on that level and they have so many just world-class songs that will live on for fucking ever and yet they don't quite have the exact same fanfare even though they have a, a broader reach Mm-hmm. Than a lot of artists who are more critically celebrated. It's mm-hmm. like Dave Grohl himself yeah. is yeah. held in in the highest regard over probably any musician for his artistic artistic integrity and and, and um, just his persona mm-hmm. of being so real and yeah. and, and, his and not and and humble. You yeah. know, he's like the anti Kanye. You know, and uh, but um, but yeah, for some reason they have this like huge. Market share, and not quite the same devotion. It's odd to me.
1: And I agree with you, and I, I never really hear anybody say that Foo Fighters are their favorite band. Though everyone seems to like them. Yeah, you know. Yeah. um Put it this way: I feel like there are more people who would say that Oreos are their favorite cookie than people would admit that Foo Fighters are their favorite band. <laughs> That's how rare it is. <laughs> you know it. I don't know. I think it's funny too, because like a lot of the stuff we've been talking about, I I like keep thinking to myself like when this gets put out we don't have enough underground references so i immediately know no one from cd world will listen to this <laughs> or uh like vinyl heads will just be like all they talked about was just top 40 and uh, jerking each other off and uh well but that's that the thing stuff makes me laugh because you could just talk about music and it doesn't have to be i don't know i yeah we're not even necessarily talking about artists i like the whole time and i've
0: is still this is just what we do
1: i know we're just talking about music and i I just think it's funny and it's i don't know there's always that that thing like for me when putting anything out is who's hearing it and what are they getting from it who am i aiming it at like when i put beats out um i pretty much know people who like either beat instrumentals or like hip-hop will like it that's it um and partly, uh, I also think I'm a little safe because I'm not, I am not—I don't have words in my beats. So people can't talk about my ideas in it, you know, or like what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, the message. Right. But then like with something like a podcast, there's just, you immediately, I, I just, I, I think immediately of like a thousand people that are just going to be like, this whole thing is just fucking bullshit. Well, I just fucking, I hate this and this is stupid and then the dude thinks this is about Yeezy fucking stupid.
0: I, I approach this like <laughs> I approach everything else um i had an idea right i wasn't sure if anyone would care i thought it'd be fun to do right um end of thought process yeah who cares you know there was zero preparation uh this this whole thing went um uh crosby says i'm moving this weekend do you want to hang out i said yeah you want to record
1: it yeah (laughs) there you go i bet it'll make for great entertainment for lots of people especially people who notice
0: i do want to come back to um before we end this because my my idea for doing these was like let's talk about an album um maybe on each episode or something i get different people and i don't know where this is going to go um in the future but for right now um we we talked about um corgan and the pumpkins and chamberlain a couple of times um and i think this fits in with the artistic uh growth and the scope uh of of a career and these things we're talking about mm-hmm. um I've been working on this Stolen Songs Sessions episode of Smashing Pumpkins and it's the biggest one I've ever done mm-hmm. meaning the most um material and it's about 46 minutes long and um you know it's everything from uh you know we do one or two songs you've heard on the radio and then uh stuff that's I mean B-side soundtrack shit just all over the place um And it's because I feel like that band has such a wealth of strong material that is largely underappreciated. Corgan's another guy who, like in the rock world, people just laugh him off when he talks because he's got these, you know, Kanye-like quotables in every fucking interview. He certainly does. When they were asking him about, you know, uh, Oceania a couple years ago, when they were doing uh, the tour for that, and and they're like you're the only original member now. Like how, um, is this just a, a cash grab or whatever? And he was like, listen to the songs. You, does it sound like that? He's like, I'm not fucking Soundgarden out here trying to, you know, pad my bank account or whatever it was. But he like called them out directly. Like, sure. You know, and and that's Former the Rital fucking Session. headline and, and that's the thing. But like, to me, he has never put out the same album twice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I fucking love that. Because I don't always love it, mm-hmm. and that's what's interesting about it is is you know, like I love bad religion, but they basically put out you know variations on the same shit, and yeah. it's still really good, it's very well written and well executed still to this day, yeah, totally, but I relate so much more to a person like
1: Corgan, who is just purely about the fucking creative process i i started to lose interest in smashing pumpkins uh partly when i got into hardcore music and somewhat it was like billy you're so fucking depressed i have so (laughs) much depression i can't listen to you right now because i can't handle it all like and it's not that that's the only way i see him what was that like, Machina era, probably, or yeah, like it, I would just hear little parts of the album, and just go, yeah, sorry, man, like you're just, you're just not saying anything to me, and that's that's the thing is just as a as an individual listener, it just wasn't saying anything to me. But then again, at that age, I don't feel like I was open to hearing everything as much as I was looking for something, and I, I think I spent too long looking for something, and then because of that, I overlooked a lot of. Legitimate possibilities into listening to new music and getting into new music, but you know. But um, I do think that Billy Corgan's always kind of just had something in him. That's the thing; it's 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 in him. It, he he can't. I I can't see him doing anything else other than making music and making all sorts of music. But um, almost like a John Frusciante type, except yeah. except he's not
0: um, yet willing to nor do i think he should um walk away from the public eye and just do sure because he he does art for art's sake but he does it at really high stakes yeah he gets panned for it a lot
1: yeah totally he well i think i think at the level that he's at you have to take big risks yeah and i think that's something he's willing to do well And, and, and
0: and think about when that album came out i mean this is like post cobain's death and they're gonna put out a single like tonight tonight. Oh it was and, brilliant. I mean, are you fucking serious? And I mean then the album just or the, the the video
1: too. I mean the, the whole yeah, the, homage. The, the, the visual
0: to, uh, was just stunning. But even the song itself, I mean, the orchestration and even if you take that away, um the the drumming that's so dynamic and precise and then you take that away and just such a great um guitar part even and and it sounds like nothing it sounds like nothing else they've done it sounds like nothing else anyone else has done since and a week later zero yep a week later zero i mean that's it's like we're going to throw a major fucking curveball at you and people are going to go oh my god what is this this is amazing and we're going to beat you over the head again well, and and, that- and they capitalized on that fucking moment totally. cuz he saw we have the most like diverse and dynamic album that anyone in this genre is is capable of making yeah and we took 60 songs or something cut it down to 28 what
1: do you want to put out as a single could be fucking anything anything and that's you know? what i liked is <laughs> You could get from it tonight. Tonight, uh, the intro track that came right before, it, which is also beautiful, melancholy, and yeah, sadness. the piano piece. The um, the fact that you get zero, and that was track three. Then you could go to disc two and get nineteen seventy nine. Like, well, actually, I think uh, Jelly Belly was
0: the third song after. Um, oh yeah, you're right. You're right. but but it it was that same sort of thing where it just goes heavy as fuck <laughs> immediately.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God yeah um
0: but then yeah. and then like stumbling and shit like that um
2: yeah. it's it, incredible was, it was
0: it was uh the, the scope of that album was great and i think the timing worked really well for it because it was kind of like you know that that's when dave grohl's chipping away in the studio going fuck i don't know what i'm gonna do with myself i mean there's no uh, when i look at that album i've always loved it i've always had it in rotation and a few years ago when i was making counterclockwise i decided like look this this just is my favorite album. Mm-hmm. There's no denying it because I'm so attached to it. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I feel like sucks is that when people write off um, the stuff they do now as like, oh, there has been or they don't have it anymore or whatever, is to deny what they did accomplish. Because mm-hmm. creatively and commercially, I mean, their influence was fucking huge. I might just cut all this stuff off because it doesn't really yeah. seem like it's going anywhere. But
1: whatever. Um, I mean, it just—it's. I mean, it's still important to talk about. I mean, a lot of it when you talk about like important albums and things like that. For me, it's not just what it means to me, but what it—what it did. Yeah. Uh, something like Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, shifted. <laughs> yeah. The way people could make albums. And for how fucking long that was
0: like, on the charts or whatever. I mean, how. It, Wasn't it on there for fucking like three
1: years or something? No, almost a decade. A decade? Yeah, it never left the top ten. Yeah, which that's unfucking heard of. They at one point, David Gilmour in their in a, one of the documentaries about Dark Side of the Moon, uh, David Gilmour you know says in in such a polite way, and we had two albums in the top ten and one of which hadn't left in almost ten years. That's fucking unbelievable, and to this day like I can still listen to it and as as a piece of music I mean track arrangement is in, is incredible and the flow of the songs the flow of the songs really is remarkable. incredible there's not an ounce of silence on the whole thing the, it's uh again it's like time and place but it was like the perfect time perfect place everyone involved everyone it influenced everyone it then challenged when it when it came out people can still hear it today and it transcends like 50 years. So just as a piece of music, I mean, like to me, that's dark side of the moon is my favorite album of all time. Mm. It, uh, partially because of that, it's so impactful from the first time I heard it. And then to have that feeling resonate with so many people of so many different ages, uh, from, so many different backgrounds worldwide how that album was received is still received yeah to endure. Is still celebrated yeah it's unfucking believable like that's that's how i still think about it is that's unfucking believable that i mean four four dudes came together and made that like that's you know
0: that that reminds me of um
1: blows I just, me away i just saw that movie about brian wilson
0: oh yeah and you could almost look at sounds as like a counterpoint to that because because it didn't have and i didn't realize this because we're so far removed from this um growing up in the 90s i I didn't realize that that album was considered a flop at the time like commercially did not do well Mm -hmm. and it took decades of it catching on over
1: time before it was truly appreciated that's fucking insane Mm -hmm. to me there were a few people like at that time that were into it and that's the thing is like they they could get behind the music aspect of it. And, and that was one of those things It was like they expected a certain
0: quality out of that um, group. And if you, list, if you look at their discography, it's like they, they cranked out like three albums in like a year or something. And it was, you know, just more surfing California hits or whatever. Yep. Because um, he had been working on this fucking thing. And they're going, no, we need another single. We need another single, you know. And so he's like, fine, and he's just cranking out songs like crazy that are front to back, great and and catchy ass pop songs, and then puts out
1: this just epic game changing well, material. It's, it's and so orchestrated. It's not beautifully. It's just missed. It, it yeah, I know. And it it it's one of those things that it it is kind of obscure in that way. Is that it? it wasn't commercially successful yeah and that but it has also endured in the same way oh big time um and transcends generations and it's still you know people in indie rock it's like you know still one of those things that man pet sounds that's it's the blueprint it, to an extent you know right, it's, it, it's, it's it just has the sounds man and it's so vast and it has such i mean that's another album it's just so rich you know, with... Uh, in, in uh, textures instrument, and, yeah. and, and... Instrumentation, textures, ideas. And also ideas. In, in lyrics, man.
0: Just some of the things that... Gorgeous. Um, came out of that moment. And in the film, they, I don't know um, exactly how the timeline is, but it, it, it seemed like that was kind of right on the cusp of his kind of mental decline for a while. And it was like his his, you know, it was almost like his last clear thought before things started to turn for the worse and man it's just a it's like a time capsule of that moment and and the fact that they the other guys weren't really involved really speaks to his uh not just his ability but just to that that moment the intense inspiration that one person can get at one moment and conducting all of these fucking session players to make this
1: um well i think that takes vision you know what I mean it's it's yeah. just that he had this thing in his head and like he could he could get it out and it was this grand idea and you hear it, it that's how it sounds to me grand and full and and large you know what I mean it it has it has weight to it yeah. it's just something that you can hear um and those it, those are songs that that had to be written right you know like he needed to get
0: that shit out of his mind and 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 that is probably the most relatable quality when we talk about somebody saying something in a song or, or whatever it is having heart or having passion. Yeah. Um, to me, the difference between like a, um, you know a songwriter and a, and, a, and a performer who just happens to write songs, you know, is, is a songwriter's, which I consider myself to be I have to write. I have to do it. It's an exercise that keeps me sane Mm -hmm. relatively speaking um and i do the other stuff because it's a way to share that music with people and 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 connect via that thing that i made Mm -hmm. but i had to make that thing you know and whenever i hear something that came out of a place like that you Mm -hmm. know when it's not like i mean you could listen to his other albums the ones that came out right before and, and enjoy them and I've gone through so much of his material, and I
1: don't connect to any
0: of it quite like I do that one album. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I well, and I think there's just again like time and place. What was happening to him? Yeah, maybe he didn't set out to make, you know, an album that was going to transcend you know generations of musicians.
0: What's noteworthy about that moment too is is not only um, Pet Sounds but the Beatles in that period. Mm-hmm. Um, are albums that came out after like *Sgt. pepper and *Abbey road and all that um the one thing that they have in common other than just a time and and influencing each other as as professionals mm-hmm. is that both were direct results of these big artists saying look i'm trying to create i can't be on the road all the time and brian wilson just essentially left the group he was in Mm-hmm. to go back and write and be in the studio and write the songs. And the Beatles just basically said, this shit's insane. <laughs> this is no way to live. Let's, let's get back to what we do and let's fucking write songs. And both of them wrote the best material of their lives and some of the best material ever written in rock music um, and pop music by having that luxury of, like, they had finally made it to a certain point they were living off it people were gonna hear it one way or another and they just got to go create and I think that's pretty fucking awesome and it is something you you don't see
1: anywhere really no I mean like that to me is like it it just makes me jealous because uh, like working working jobs that aren't music related yeah and not that I mean like guitar center like where you're selling your dream to people every day (laughs) like I mean you're actually like if I got to work in a studio with people, that would be a step in the right direction of getting to do what I'd rather do with the rest of my life, yeah. which is help facilitate creativity, whether I'm making it myself or not. And to create is like, for me, it's, it's like one of those single necessities. Like I need to do it. I have to be creative. Yeah. I have to be musical specifically because that's, what i am and if i don't do it it's 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 atrophy it's a it's a weight on you too and yeah well i don't feel whole you know and and working a job every day and you know this is where you would cue violins it's like oh poor me i have to work a job well yeah unfortunately i don't feel like i should spend the rest of my life working jobs i hate uh for people i don't respect and I, I made peace with the fact that early on in my life, uh, if music's going to be my life, well, fuck, uh, expect not to make money, expect <laughs> to be really unfucking happy. happy yeah. and die that way. Yeah. I'm not going to get paid a lot to do what I want. I'm going to make just enough. Yeah. And, and it's, 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 uh, that's the cost to be happy. Fucking great. Because and- right now I'm miserable and that's yeah. the, and I know I'm not the only person like that. I know there's other people out there. You're one of them too. Like we work jobs. And that's all they are. They're just jobs. They're they're not fulfilling, and they're not meaningful. And it's funny because like you know, I read these Facebook posts about people bitching and complaining and professing to know everything about what's going to happen if we increase minimum wage. And okay, well look, you don't know everybody's fucking situation. You don't know everybody's fucking life. Yep. It sounds like you, sir, are self-serving and you don't really care about other people. So that's great, and that's your fucking life. <laughs> um it is that's it That that's your fucking life and it it sounds like you probably don't have a creative bone in your body and you don't give a shit about creativity because what you probably care about are different things like uh i mean music is the way i'm trying to give back and contribute to society and contribute to creative people within my society and help facilitate creativity happening and and just connecting with people around you because i
0: yeah. I, I don't actively do that. I have a hard right. time doing that. Right. I don't, I don't know how to really not,
1: connect with people. not comfortable with that, but when but when we all go to a show and, and we sing the same song, then that means something. Right. You know? And you were talking about the Beatles and the Beach Boys. That Yeah, they had that luxury. That's what it is. It's a luxury. It, is. it that is. They got to step aside from being influenced by the society, telling them to fucking contribute and give back and be a part of it. And to get in line, shut the fuck up, and be happy with what you get. Uh, I'm sick of being subject to that mentality. You know, I'm sick of feeling like I'm always begging at the table for scraps just to get by. And uh, I don't think that's how I was meant to live. I don't think people should live that way, or there has to be an, a better way to live. And that being said, being a creative person, I don't think makes that easier. Exactly. If, like like you were saying earlier, if it's I wasn't just a creative, that you see per- things
0: differently. Right. And so
1: you, people can have
0: these things that we're talking about quite easily. But there's something in us that um, almost forces us on this other path. Right. And we're completely unfulfilled, and unsatisfied without it. Um, and so we're torn between these, these these two lives instead of having one that's either fulfilling or unfulfilling and I'm going to make a change and do something right. else. It's like, no, I have to do this forever. and And it's really hard to do.
1: It is. Um, and it's really hard to do. And it's... You know, and at the end of the day, you people could just write it off as you know, wham wham, white people problems. And it's like, you know what? You're right. Uh, I'm a white male. I, I really don't have that much societally to complain about because technically, on the grid pretty high up there i'm not really gonna have to worry too much about discrimination in the workplace i'm not gonna or really in, have to worry about sexual harassment i'm not gonna have to worry about getting pulled out of my car and gunned down
0: yeah and in terms so, of, of, of yeah my humanity life's not that bad as a whole we have it about as good as anybody's ever had right um but it doesn't mean that the way that we're wired and brought up in the surroundings we were you know that that um feeling isn't real and doesn't have any value or validity
1: yeah exactly I mean, yeah totally yeah yeah i mean i don't know i think sometimes it's uh, i don't know it, it is nice it'd be nice to have luxuries um but then you know a long time ago i tried to abandon that don't don't fixate on on trying to acquire luxuries in your life because you know cross it's not going to make you happy and it's not luxuries are just that they're byproduct they're after they're there's something that it's not something that i think I should strive for and they're, I don't know, not essential, I guess is the thing. It's like a luxury is not essential. So what is essential is I need to be creative. And so like, and and honestly, those, those kind of things, um, if I'm interpreting this the same way is,
0: you know, luxuries are these things that are distractions to us, essentially that are, um, because we're unsatisfied. Mm. So instead of passively accepting, Um, that these um, superficial amenities are available to uh, soften the blow (laughs) that is our monotonous lives. On some level, we're actively doing something challenging, and and, um, whether or not it's uh, financially um, successful, it's something that is enormously fulfilling. Um in a personal and emotional way
1: yeah I guess that's the, i guess that 's the bigger thing too is it 's <laughs> the mold for an American is just not something I fit super well into uh, i 'm sensitive, so I have feelings, and this economy and and this country doesn 't give a fuck about that they don 't give a fuck about you and they don 't give a fuck about your problems or anything to do with your life. they just want what they can get from you and uh so that I don't fit that mold very well because I have feelings, you know, and sometimes I think about other people too. I'm, I, I feel like I've been told enough in my life that I'm a selfish person. I don't know that I'm completely selfish as much as I, I, I do get fairly self in, involved or at least, uh, in the way that, you know, I just would rather focus on my own problems and separate myself from people.
0: I, I, I hear what you're saying. Cause I obviously, like I said, We've known each other a long fucking time. Uh, That is not in the list of adjectives that I would use to describe you. But Mm -hmm. I think you and I understand each other's uh, situations and and state of mind better than just about anybody on the planet. Right. Um, And I relate to that idea of, especially the last few years, like, look, I have enough going on in my fucking head every day that I cannot commit to any outside noise. My circle has gotten smaller and I am more focused on, you know, my own path. And, and maybe that is being a selfish person. Um, but to me it's, I'm really just trying to
1: simplify my life. Yeah. But like, even for me, I feel like I can look back in the last year and say that now in my life I've been truly blinded by ambition and that ambition became such a priority for me. And building myself into something became such a priority that i neglected uh other aspects of my life that needed attention and because of that now it's landed me in into a situation that i'm in now which is i'm not in a relationship where i wish i was but i'm not yeah um you know it it became so important to me to be something and to be somebody talking with my counselor about it, it's also really funny cuz you know it's it's neat to get to unravel that and just talk about it. You know? I'm just going to point out,
0: by the way, they can't see you, but you're wearing your ambition shirt, the grad- oh, yeah. gradient shirt. I'm
1: wearing my gradient, ambitious shirt. Yeah. Well, and it's, it is it is very much that, though. I, I feel that I am or was ambitious. And uh, I guess with ambition, you know, you needed a little momentum to get you there. And then all it takes is a catastrophe and all those things are gone. Yeah. You know, and then... You just kind of have to figure it out from there, but it, I don't know, being a creative person's really, uh, good and bad. Cause I feel like if I wasn't a creative person, my life would be just infinitely easier because it'd be easier to oh, just definitely. fall in line, shut the fuck up and do what you're told because that's what is expected of me. I feel like that's what's been expected of me, not out of my parents. I don't think my parents have ever treated me that way. It's being in the world and being in the workforce, um, how you're generally treated, how you're viewed by those above you uh, financially. Uh, Getting to work at a fine dining restaurant really made me painfully aware of how you're viewed as a worker, called a worker. Um, You're not considered like bussing tables at a fine dining restaurant was really interesting because being considered a laborer and that was your that was what you were called by customers (laughs) and when i'm you know getting uh, when i'm getting weird vibes going how come no one's looking at me and then servers go oh in in some fine dining establishments it's not considered um you know fine dining etiquette to acknowledge anyone below your server and i found that incredibly dehumanizing i went really and I went, yeah, like no eye contact.
0: Dude, I'm like thanking everybody who refills my water. And I mean, just you any little right. thing like, oh man, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I'm a you good know, tipper. Whatever. I, I acknowledge course, people. Yeah. I
1: thank people. Um, I met uh, Mayor Sam Adams when he was the uh, mayor at that time. And he was incredibly nice. He didn't follow any of those things. He shook my hand. Wow. Like second or third time he came in because he was a regular and a very nice guy. Very yeah. cordial newbie by name and that was a really nice thing too I was wow like, oh, that's really really cool he's wow. like hey what's up Crosby how's it going Joey and like he knew our sous chef he knew our head chef and it it, it was it was one of those things he it was okay well here's a human being and seems like he doesn't have to be an asshole and then you actually look at what he does as mayor and it's like oh he's considered one of the hardest working mayors in the fucking country because he works so fucking hard to make Portland a good place to live to be and to work and you know who I'm seeing in my head when you're describing this I'm seeing blueprint because you're talking about
0: you meet this guy, he's on a whole nother level. Uh, you know, you shake his hand, he remembers your fucking name out of the whole like crowd of people at the merch table. He remembers your fucking name from last time. You never played with him, no, nothing like that. He just seen you at his job. You came out to the show a couple times, you know, and and hardest working motherfucker. Had a rhyme series deal. Decides, you know, I'm, I'm gonna put out a bunch of my own shit, just rapid fire, one after another. I'm gonna do my own tours. I'm gonna do all this shit. And the most humble fucking dude, and the most like inspiring and and positive figure in the scene, trying to bring other people up. Like I was just, I was seeing that, yeah. parallel when you were t-
1: describing that, yeah. And it's a, uh, it- and it just treat you like people, yeah, you know? exactly. Like, they treat you like people, and that's that's something I think is getting worse because and i I can't say that i don't fall into that trap of not treating people nicely and and being a dick because it's it totally happens and it's sad sometimes how i can treat people yeah Uh, or uh how frustrated i get at the simplest things like the grocery store yeah i i like get visibly upset me too it's like, get the fuck out of my way. I just want to get broccoli. You, you you, two ladies don't have to have a conversation right now. And it's always people like my mom will say, you know, you know, well, how do you know that she didn't come to her friend and she said that she had breast cancer? And I went, well, thanks for making me feel like a fucking asshole. <laughs> I already know I'm a fucking mm. asshole. So, um. two, I don't know that. Three, they can do it over by the fucking cantaloupe then. <laughs> oh okay. Ugh. I mean, I'm a fucking asshole. I get it. Like, But, I don't know, like i don't say it to them i i, I just i feel it deep I inside i internalized and- so much more
0: in uh, right. the last few years than i ever did before
1: right I used and- to just
0: call it like i saw it and and yep. people respected me for that and they still do but they don't realize i don't do it almost ever anymore i just like swallow that shit and i just have like a pit in my chest that's like Oh, guy, it's just, and it, like, almost like you digest it, and it just turns to sadness. Yeah. It's it's like, I used to lash out and get that aggression out, and it was, like, at least somewhat cathartic, even though it wasn't healthy. And now it's just, like, ugh. Yeah, now it just eats you away. Yeah, it's like, oh, man, I thought I'd be happier by now. (laughs) Yeah. This is taking a dark turn, by the way. I know. We were, like, really just talking about...
1: Yeah, but that's you know, okay, I mean, that's, shit, that's you know, but that's, that's like who I am, and that's okay. You know? Yeah, and
0: I don't know who's even gonna hear this, if I'm gonna put all of it out or what, but, um, yeah. good tie-in, today I released my video for, uh, Vacant Eyes, yeah. which was a song that I, I was really hesitant to put out, cause it opens with the words, some days I wanna live, other days I wanna die, well, maybe most days I wanna die, and, uh, uh, that it's very much what we're talking about because it sounds so silly, but in the mind of an artist like the daily grind routine is such a toxic environment. Because while you're there, its I mean, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, but all you can think about is that you're trapped. And, the, and, and you have this like, um, your mind is, is thinking of, of your aspirations and, and all the things that you should be doing theoretically, should be doing as a creative person. Um, and you never quite get over the fact that you're not able to do that. And I know that's not true for every musician. And to those musicians, you are a hobbyist. <laughs> because uh, I, I, I know it's a psychological disorder what I have. And that is um, being a musician um, and so I was glad to put out that song and have people actually be like, dude, seriously, that is my life, you know, because here we are yeah. talking about it
1: yeah, no, and exactly. we weren't
0: talking about the song, we were no, talking man. about
1: life. But that's the thing is it's, it's that, it's that immediate connection and it, maybe not everyone will get it. Fuck them. Because it's, it's clearly not. It it wasn't meant for them, and that's okay. It's you know if if music was a gift, then that gift wasn't meant for them, and that's okay. That doesn't mean that I'm
0: I'm not uh uh you know entertained by by many many things that people connect to sports and and you know cars and all kinds of good old American traditions, and that's that's cool. Do that yeah uh, you know
1: we should probably wrap up here yep pretty That's, soon this is the
0: end i've been getting texts like for a long time and i haven't looked at them yeah Let's see what happens with this and um yeah i gotta edit if that down look.
1: to some juicy purrs <laughs> yeah who knows
0: and uh i will only make one last statement and that is earlier much much earlier uh-huh. about two and a half hours ago i think yeah uh you said that uh you don't consider yourself to be Uh, a good songwriter and I just me personally I strongly disagree so that's fine just for the record I'm
1: a fan I appreciate it so
0: all right. well this is Sammy Warm Hands and Odar Crosby so long yep peace thanks again for tuning in to the Take 92 podcast this is episode 2 we're just getting started I want to leave you with a song from my Bears Repeating album produced by Odar featuring my man Guante. Check out Crisis of Conscience.
2: Little boy, buy trucky to state. get paid, don't give a fuck, take what you want, no delay, no apologies. Buy the right outfit or you will be doubted. Buy the right cologne or you'll always be alone. To be a real man, there was only one option. It involves a lot of shopping, because it's not just products they sell, they're trying to sell you yourself. So, which brand of disposable razor will you use to cut yourself open when you're trying to prove? That's blood in there, but not gasoline. Which preset supermodel is your fantasy? Which light beer will delay your enrapture? Which identity will you cut from that magazine? Which truck has the towing capacity to handle all your baggage? You see a man cave? I see a dark basement. I see the pervasive influence of the media who wants us to fit in little boxes. And what if you don't fit in? They tell little girls how to be real women and tell little boys how to be real men. When you ask them what real means They throw the same bullshit back at you again And there's a reason for that It's the reason I'm mad It's so ingenious what they feed us here But these are the facts Gender is a construct There's no real man, no real woman, only us Ladies and gentlemen, friends of all identities Let's stand up and be who we were meant to be And if they order me to man up, I'll tell them I ain't buying what you selling I ain't buying what you
3: selling I can't say what I'm trying to say, I'm overwhelmed just trying to fill the lines on the page, it's so much more than just another song, it's more than you and me, it's more than right or wrong, and I know cause I'm on both ends of the equation, I can see both sides of the situation, my heart and my mind, both know that it's fucked up, to hold ourselves up to these images that I touched up, and the idea that the man is a strong one, you either choose to be a dick or to be on one, if you'll ever get ahead it seems, you gotta swallow the shit till you burst at the seams, I'm not buying it for a minute, the materialism isn't pulling me in, I'm still falling for the gimmick, my biology is unaffected by my mindset, it makes the ideology a lot harder to digest, I see the posters and magazine covers, the images liking women to inanimate levels. just shut the fuck up and look good, pretty's not enough, Teddy's gotta touch, gotta look as good as the girl on the cover of a book would, but we know that even she don't look right, without the makeup and the airbrush, just so stop singing to your hairbrush, quit And start cooking and cleaning Count those calories like Veronica and Valerie Stay away from heavy food, say you have an allergy And drop those LBs like needles and LPs They sold you an idea, now you can tell these Fat cat pricks, manipulating motherfuckers That the data's are growing up SME cocksuckers Who get their validation from the adoration of men And they're raising a generation more trouble than them So stop the bullshit, reject the lies You wanna grab the wheel or just close your eyes? And my higher brain is looking down on me. We have everything, and yet it sounds to me there's a vacancy, there is complacency. And my higher brain is coming down. a crisis of conscience. Why am I attracted to fabricated garbage? Instinctual versus intellectual. It's so complicated when it comes to sexual issues and content. And I'm not running a convent. But I'm at a disadvantage from the onset. I'm the target market demographic. So it's harder to tune out the static. I've had it. Yeah, but I'm no hero. This isn't Skynet. It's fucking Channel Zero. Why can't I compliment my beautiful wife without a self-deprecating reply to ruin the night? Advertisers want to sell out a few more copies so they promote the same faces, same until even the stars themselves are insecure. And tabloids tally every calorie incurred. We've all hurt companions, friends, and loved ones. Cause we set the standard when we buy an abundance of film, TV shows, DVDs, and MP3s that promote the same disease. To an adolescent, mind it isn't easy to accept. These images subliminally have an effect. So kids get in us so they could feel it within them. When girls worship and by intellectual women. This isn't the beginning, it's been a problem for decades. The pervasive nature of the situation is threatening. In an act of defiance, it was hastily decided as a level. The playing feels the best way to fight A short-sighted reaction to a long-term problem Making advertisers riches and a great way to stop them So I'll we'll say a little something that's long overdue I won't contribute to the problem And neither should you To all my mothers and my sisters and my wives and friends I want to offer my love and respect the end